the optimal life. So just before we went on, uh, Julia, you were showing me this social impact award you had just received at the, what film festival was this? At the Rain Dance Film Festival. It's in London. And what did you do to deserve that award? Uh, it was for Maya, the film that I directed, and we got the Social Impact Award. So I was rather excited. Here we go. And there it is. Julia Verdon for Maya. That's beautiful. When you say Social Impact Award, what, what kind of criteria do they put behind that? Do you know? I think it's a, well, the, the thing about Maya is it's a narrative feature. And it's, um, you know, thrilling and will keep you on the edge of the seat. But it, it also very has very clearly illustrates how, very, how easily a teenager can get trafficked. It tells the story of Maya, who's having issues at home. Her mom's a single mom, feeling bad about herself. And uh, she's been deserted by her husband. And so she's got into an abusive relationship with a guy who's taking her money, living off her, beating on her, etc. And Maya's frustrated because her mother can't see the guy for who he is. And she's constantly having to pick up the pieces, do her mother's cleaning jobs for her, take her mother to hospital, etc., all because of this guy. And she just wants her close bond with her mother back. So she's online complaining that life sucks, etc. And unfortunately, these traffickers are trained to look for signs of, the, of a teen complaining about their home life. And then they'll they'll see that, they'll start engaging with them online and making friends with them, seeming to empathize with what they're going through, saying that they've been for sim through you know similar situations, building up this relationship, being, in this case, Maya's shoulder to cry on, being the voice that goes, oh, no, that's terrible. I can't believe your mother's doing that to you. That's really not right. You know, she should she should be there for you she should be taking care of her, you not the other way around and then eventually they set up a meet they lure the teenager to meet with them the grooming process starts they start buying them gifts taking them out for meals cementing that relationship before you know what they're gone and um, what what often happens then, because the teen comes from a background of abuse and that seems normal to them, you know, she finds herself in an abusive relationship and believing that the trafficker is her boyfriend, which is crazy. But unfortunately, this is all too common. Mm. And obviously, our story is a film. So in this case, it's it's really at the core a mother-daughter story and when the mother eventually gets sober and gets into recovery, she is able to then um, be a real mother to her daughter and get her daughter back and help get her away from this guy. So well, well there you have it, folks. If, you, if you're listening now, you now have heard the whole movie. Very well done, Julia.
<laughs> we, we've got we've got the very high level uh, conclusion there. So I want to go back though, and and, and I want to dig into all this. Thank you for the overview of of this movie. But there's a lot going on. Um, you talk about why make a movie about child sex trafficking. The thing that you say here on the website is because it's one of the fastest growing criminal industries in the world that is buying and selling of people. Okay. So why you, Julia? That is true. It is one of the fastest growing. But what about this horrific situation personally impacted you so much that you decided to to create a film around this? Well, I I used to volunteer at a children's shelter um, for runaway youth. And I met a lot of young girls, 14, 15 years old, who'd been trafficked. And the stories of what they'd been through really just resonated with me. And I, I, I was truly appalled to think that these girls should have been put through these type of situations. And I I had no idea it was so prevalent in the US. But as I started doing a little research, because when I hear something like that, it makes me want to do research and find out a little bit more about it. And then I kept meeting people from that world. I met a detective who was on the trafficking unit. And so I learned more about it from him. I met another woman who ran an NGO who, who, who was a survivor of trafficking. And she started telling me some of the stories of what she'd been through and what some of the girls that she'd like helped to to get out of that type of life had been through and it's almost like sometimes you feel like you're called to make a a film on a certain topic that's what it felt like for me this felt like a calling because of the personal relationships the people that you actually had talked to gotten to know learned about their backgrounds their stories uh you were so touched by this so let me ask you is this so the 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 um, the plot. You had to come up with this plot, and and you start by you started by saying that this is just a daughter was a, a teenage daughter was in a a broken home. The father was gone. The father abandoned the family, correct? And then you've got yeah. the and then you've got the mother, who's maybe a user addicted to substances, brings in a boyfriend, some male figure into the home. And that male figure was extremely abusive within the family unit. So is that, let's start there. Is that a very common kind of situation in these, when, when these people are being trafficked, they're, they're coming from broken homes where the father's gone and then some male figure comes in and, and makes it even worse? That That is the most common situation, yes. Um, a very high proportion of of um, trafficked youth come from from um, backgrounds where there's a you know domestic abuse going on in the in the home. Now, trafficking can happen to anyone. You know, if you look at the the reports, you'll see teenagers rescued in um, Malibu, Pasadena. You know, all sorts of areas. And it, it can happen to anyone from whatever background, if if they're if if they're vulnerable. I think I think the key is it's kids that are vulnerable that have non-present parents, or for some way some reason are feeling left out by their school friends, 
um, that their parents aren't around very much. And so they're, they're looking for love. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. A mm. lot of the teens traffic don't have that father figure in their life. And so the trafficker is able to insert himself and become, you know, that, and pose as that father figure, as it were. How old is Maya when she um, when she starts talking to somebody, uh, this boyfriend, quote unquote, who ends up being her boyfriend? How old how old is Maya at that point? She's 16. She's 16. OK. Yeah. And how long was she in this home, this broken home atmosphere for um, a, a, a number of years. The father left when she was like, you know, six years old. Okay, so the father's gone. She lives ten years. Uh, mother's got emotional problems, obviously, uh, uh, substance problems, and then this boyfriend, the mother's boyfriend, comes into the home, makes things worse. He's abusive to the mother and to Maya. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay, and then again, you said this is a common theme. So when Maya starts going out on online how do these how do these other guys because you know you think that the the boyfriend is the bad guy and he is the, the the guy that comes lives lives in the house with them he's a terrible person but then you've got this somebody who almost one-ups him by being this this abusive trafficker lurking in the in the winds over there and kind of doing it under the guise of, hey, let, let me get you out of this terrible situation. You're in, you know, I'll be your boyfriend, basically. So how does that guy, the, the guy online spot, how do these people spot vulnerability? They're, 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 they're trained. They're very clever. They're very ma manipulative. You know, when they see some a, a teen posting, you know, life sucks or I hate my mom or. You, you know, like, like uh, uh, um, and nobody cares about me or, you know, those types of things. Those, those are you know, phrases hmm. that they recognize. So, you know, this is a youth to target. So they see these teenagers crying out for help online openly to everybody. Correct. Correct. They're posting pictures. They're posting videos, Snapchats, whatever, basically saying something negative about their home experience. Absolutely correct. Yes. Mm. Are there other things that these that these online predators are looking for besides just I hate my life? I I think that that is one of the 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 principal ones because when a when a teenager is not happy and not having a good time at home, it's fairly easy to lure them away from it. Well, let me ask you. Let me just interrupt you real quick, Julia. Better. Let me just interrupt you. For example. If you've got a 16-year-old girl posting risque photos about themselves, makeup, hair done, very risque, always by themselves, they seem to be always alone, are those things, too, that could be like, hey, that that's that's something that an online predator is going to pick up on very quickly? Absolutely. And, and you know, my film is not about this, but but something else that, that these social media predators do, sometimes they will talk um, teenagers into being more risky, into kind of posing topless for them, take photos, and then they'll blackmail them with those photos. That's fairly common too. I've, I've heard that mm. a number of times. 
dig into that. You say they'll blackmail. So they'll say, take these photos. They then send them these risque photos, naked, half naked, whatever. And now they hold that over their head and say, hey, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to use that and basically extort you or whatever. I'm going to embarrass you. Absolutely, and 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 um, you know, girls and 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 boys, of fact, um, teens of any gender, are very vulnerable at that age. Mm. So you're 16 years old. I'm trying to think of some of the things that parents that are listening to this podcast right now. You're, I want to give parents. Hey, listen, you might think that your your kids in in a nice environment. Maybe you're not coming from Maya's environment, but maybe your environment. Something's going on inside of your own child, and you don't know the type of stuff that they're putting out there. So what are some things that parents, if they're looking through their teenage kids' phones or social medias, what are some things that they should be looking for? You've, you've already said, I hate my life, risque photos. Are there other things that they should be looking at? I, I think if, there's, if, if they see somebody engaging with them who's outside of the the school friends, outside of their group, you know, that that would be a flag to investigate a little bit more about that person. A lot of the times um, these traffickers and social media predators, they they will pose that they'll 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 use fake profiles. So the teen thinks they may be engaging with another teen their age. Mm. Right. But it's actually a 35 year old man or it could be a woman for that matter. So, you you know, when you're you're on social media, you don't actually know who you're talking to a lot of the time. So how old is this guy in the film? Maya's the guy who ends up becoming the traffic, uh, the, the pimp, basically. How old is he? He's he's um early 30s, early 30s. Now, does she know that when she's talking to him? She not when she's talking to him. No, when she first meets him in the park, she's a little freaked out initially because he looks a lot older than the photo that was posted. He posts a sends a photo. Does he tell her how old he is? Like when they're talking, does he lie? Does he lie about his age or no? She thought she was talking to a much younger person. Much younger. She didn't know exactly the age, but she thought closer to her age. Maybe a few years difference. She ends up going and meeting this guy and she doesn't even realize the guy's twice her age, essentially. When does she find that out? When she go when she goes to to meet with him, but he's very clever. You know, he knows that from his conversations with her that Maya is a kind of nice person, caretaker. So he plays on that with her and accuses her of judging by appearances and you know, this is what's always happened to him. No one really cares about him. So he guilts Maya into staying and talking to him and then starts taking an interest in what's going on with her and her art. And so he lulls her into a false sense of security, as it were. So these and this again, these are this is a common scenario because you've talked to many of these people in your research. So these men in this example could be men, could be women. They're in their they could be a decade or two older than the than their target. And the yeah. target, when they meet them, they get freaked out. Whoa, you're you're like, you could be my dad. And then uh, eventually they somehow. They sweet talk them, they make them feel comfortable, they make them feel warm and welcome, uh, probably a feeling that a lot of these abandoned kids haven't felt in years. 
Is that a common thing that these these teenagers then start feeling comfortable and then they they almost forget about how much older the person is? You're you're absolutely right, Nate. That's exactly what they do. So what does he do then? How long does it take for that relationship to start to develop? Is it weeks? Is it months? How, how does that happen? It usually, you know, obviously, because we were making a film, we we speeded it up a little bit. But the reality is it, it normally takes a few months. You know, they take their time. They 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 start giving them gifts, taking them out to nice places, taking them to kind of get their hair done. Now, but this is all happening. This is all happening below the surface. Right. They're not they're not really being seen together in public. I would assume that these predators are very careful with making sure that they're not really being spotted by people that their victim knows. Uh, correct. Correct. Yes. But, yeah. So how do they go about doing that? They, do they take them to different cities? I'm just trying to understand for a lot of us that are not exposed to this world, how this actually works. What what they will do is as soon as they feel like they built up the trust, they slowly start to like alienate them from their, you know, their parents, their friends, you know, by by the 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 I can't believe your mother did that. That's terrible. She, you know, she should this this she she should be looking after you better, all of this type of thing. And and so they put themselves in the position where the 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 teenager feels that they're the only person that really cares about them. And they're the only person that's really there for them. And then when they've got them to that place, they will then take them off to another city. Um, like in this in the film, it's Vegas, but it you know it could be anywhere. And um then you know they'll they'll initially um romance them a little further, buy them things, look after them. And then it starts. Now, when Maya with, goes with him to Vegas, has she essentially run away from home at that point? Correct. Yes. Okay. And that again, this is probably all common things because they start feeling comfortable. Oh, my God, this is the only person that actually shows me any love. And two, three months into the relationship, they're traveling the country. Their parents can't get a hold of them. Yada, yada. Yeah. So. When you look at a the profile of one of these online predators, what's the guy's name in the film, the the pimp? Ray. Ray. You must not have liked the guy named Ray when you were growing up, Julia. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's for another time. Like in England, it was like Ray. It would be Ray the Rotter. Ray the Rotter. So, Ray. The 30 some odd year old man who's going after vulnerable girls that, that are teenage girls online. What's the profile of Ray? Who is Ray in our society? So Ray Ray is often somebody that's that's come from a bad background themselves. In this instance, you know, with my character, he was uh, he he'd been bounced around in the foster um, system. Had had to kind of find a way to survive. Had hooked up with another young girl. This is played by the um, Rumor Willis, the Kyla character in the film, who was also out of the foster system, and it became their way of of survival. Mm. Of you know, he became her her pimp and looking out from her and, and finding her jobs and 
and um, she would be uh, doing doing that. And um, it would progress from there. So, so uh, Ray is. Are these guys? Are these guys? Um, I mean, do they carry jobs? Are they? Some of them are they successful? Are they kind of amongst us in society, or are these the guys that are like the sleuths that are in the darkness and that you really don't know much about? You really don't know much about. Usually, they they dabble in a couple of different things, like you know, sometimes they might have a a. a they might be involved in a model agency or they might have various deals because it's it's a lucrative business. They're all making a lot of, you know, like sort of a lot of money. If they're running a couple of girls, they're, they're, they can be making quite a lot of money. So often they've like dabbled in various businesses. Mm. But a lot of the, the, the people that end up being traffickers, they are you know, they have been abused at some point themselves. So in Ray's backstory, Ray was abused when he was in the foster system and, um, you know, probably may have well have been trafficked himself and then end up as a result becoming the trafficker. You know, it's that old saying that hurt people hurt people. Wow, Julia, you just took the words right. I literally was just going to say that. You took the words right out of my mouth. They're just they're just continuing the vicious cycle. They're yeah. continuing the loop. Rumor Willis, Bruce Willis's daughter, Bruce and Demi Demi Moore. What what character does she play? She she plays Kayla, who's already working for Ray, who'd known him for a long time. They were in the foster system together. And so, you know, this became their means of survival. Mm. So Ray uh, takes her to Vegas, and at what point then, typically in these relationships, you're at the few-month mark, at what point then does Ray introduce her to his quote-unquote buddies that she can spend some intimate time with? Usually around the few-month mark. Okay. And how does that happen? I mean, when, when that happens, what, what what's how do they go about doing that? And typically, what is the reaction, or at least the initial reaction, of the trafficked victim? Um, shock, horror, they feel very exploited. In in this case, and this is something that I've I've heard from a number of survivors, that Ray makes Maya feel like um that that it was all her fault that she flirted with this guy and so he, the guy ended up raping her and it was all Maya's fault. Mm. And that Maya is very lucky that he's willing to forgive her. And take her back. So and Maya he makes, has nowhere else to go. So, so the victim gets victimized even further by the, them saying this was your fault, and now you have to spend time with this gentleman. You flirted, you smiled at him, you made whatever their their excuses. But, but yeah. take us through like how how does that what does it look like, Julie? I know they're they're all different, but in general, is it? Is it, hey, you have to uh, now spend the night with this person? Is it you have to spend an hour with them? Like, what do the logistics look like? Well, I've, I've heard different different stories. In some instances, it, it might be, you know, I'm, I'm going to get beaten up if you don't do this. Um, you know, we have to pay the hotel bill. You've got to do this. 
In this instance, Ray puts something in Maya's drink. So she she passes out. And when she's, you know, wakes up, she knows she you know, she knows something happened. The last thing she remembers was this, you know, one of Ray's business associates luring over her. Um so it can it can happen in many different ways, but they will often the trafficker will often either so sometimes they have pictures, they have video, and they they will threaten to blackmail the girl and show her parents and friends what she did, or in other instances, they'll claim that she led the guy on and got herself into the situation. How could she? And she was unfaithful to them. However, they will forgive her. And then it becomes, it, 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 it almost becomes a kind of manipulation control game. You know, like now you've done it once and so now you need to do this again. You've got to contribute to our lifestyle too. Wow. And so it becomes very abusive. I mean, it's 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 really sick. I mean, the the manipulation that that goes on and and the preying on the vulnerability is is just shocking. Yeah, it's a really nasty level of psychological warfare. I mean, it, exactly. They it's almost like they gaslight. I yes. think is the word that I've heard a lot. They gaslight the, um, these poor vulnerable girls. And what, the girl what, what, has nowhere else to turn, and 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 they you know they know how to play them emotionally with with you know if if you behave I'll forgive you type of mm, thing. Mm, mm, it's, it's really horrible. So one of the things that I always struggle with is that when I think of these girls, you, you I think a lot of people think the same way I do. You think of them as they're almost as if they've been kidnapped, but what we forget is they're not kidnapped. These girls quite often or boys are being funneled back to their homes on a daily, weekly. I mean, they're a lot of them are living normal, what appear to be on the surface, normal lives until they're, of course, then back out with their quote unquote boyfriend who's actually pimping them around town. But they're not kidnapped. Is that correct? Um, Very often. But it's they are kind of that they're not physically kidnapped as it were, but they they um, abuse them to such an extent that all their self-esteem is gone, that they they feel so damaged that they feel like there's nowhere for them to go. So the, the level of shame, the humiliation, the level of damage that goes on is is often these girls feel like there there is no way out for them, that this is all that they've got. But but a lot of these girls, Julia, are still living at home. Their parents have may, may have no clue it's happening right under their noses. Um, that that is indeed true. I mean, in most situations, in, in, from my research, in most situations, the 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 trafficker takes the girl off somewhere else with him. Right. I have definitely heard of a few situations where it's going on when the girl is still at home. And in those situations, there's normally some type of blackmail involved. Uh, right. But they feel like that if they don't do what the trafficker says, the trafficker is going to release pictures of them, embarrass them with their friends and family. And that, you know, that is the kind of hold over them. What's the most 
what's the most number of times you've heard of a single individual being trafficked in a 24-hour period with multiple offenders? Do you have a number? I, I, I remember hearing from a detective that often some of the girls that were made to sleep with up to 50 people a day. Five zero. Yeah, which is pretty horrendous. Oh my god! That sometimes when that's when when they're um, taken out to kind of plantations to service workers there, um, sometimes there's girls that are kidnapped from from places like Mexico, and then they're taken out to plantations or they're taken out to a certain kind of area where there's a lot of like blue collar workers. Sometimes the dockyards, places like that. Sometimes truck stops, wow. where they're literally like put in a room and it's it's like a revolving door. And that is just ugh. That's it's horrendous. Horrible. That's horrendous. I mean, I can't that. imagine the the physical abuse that's occurring on these women's bodies. That's that's absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that that is what I just find so shocking. I mean, it's it it's really an inhuman way to 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 treat somebody i mean it it is awful that's so disappointing and so disturbing uh, on on a, on a variety of levels um well how much are these people paying per session we'll call it i i think the amount varies it's 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 very different i mean i mean to be honest that's not a, a, a i can't remember the details um, I mean, are these is, is are these pimps being? They're charging thousands of dollars an hour. I, mean, I, I I'm just curious on what kind of. Uh, what, I think what it this depends is. on the the level of clientele. If it's like a kind of a high level pimp, or if it's a low level pimp, you know, if you're if you're taking someone to a truck stop, you're not going to be mm. making that much. But then it's more about volume. You know, sure. if it's more of a high level situation, then you're probably going to be making a lot more. Okay. But from the stories I've heard, it's certainly not kind of glamorous. You know, like often I've heard from a lot of people running uh, anti trafficking organizations and, and a lot of survivors that films like Pretty Woman have actually been a, you know, not good mm. in many ways because it makes it all look glamorous. But the survivors that I've spoken to, you know, their lives were anything but glamorous. It was one demoralization after another and and very painful. How long was Maya trafficked for? She was trafficked for a couple of months. And then what is somebody in her position typically what what has to happen for them to finally break free and get back to some kind of normalcy? Well, what happens? It's really about someone reporting it. So, and in, in, you know, I don't want to give all the spoilers away, but in this in this case, um, it's a receptionist at a hotel who who senses that something's off, and so she stops the security. Ray sees that happening. He bolts, and mm. then you know, Maya is begging for them to let her go so she can go back to Ray wow. because she's so brainwashed. She she you know truly believes that that he is the only person that that loves her and just doesn't feel that she has any other options. 
Wow. And so that, she, that she... Is, that is that is that is that is one of the tragic stories I've heard. And in, in, in my story, we do have a happy ending. But one point at one draft of the script, you know, I had a very sad ending. And then everyone said to me, Julia, you can't make a film with this sadder ending. Like, who's going to go see that? Right. Um, but that, you know, that is is often the norm. It's almost like they become institutionalized, indoctrinated to such a high level that they they're surrounded by so much pain and misery, yet they confuse it with somehow it blurs into some form of love and security. And this is the only person that's ever really taken an interest in me in my childhood that I can remember. And I want to still remain with them, even though I'm experiencing horror at times. Yeah, absolutely, Nate. It's 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 based on low self-esteem. And it's almost like, you know, I think you probably heard about Stockholm syndrome. Mm. There's definitely that kind of Stockholm syndrome element going on where where they they feel like you know they that their self-worth is at such a low they feel like they don't have any options and that the trafficker is all that they've got and for their own self-preservation they convince themselves that this person loves them and this is this is their boyfriend and it's 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 really it's tragic what what and, what, and- what 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 do you think um Julia what do you think needs to happen to the trafficker, are there, what kind of punishment and crime should these people be facing if they're convicted? I, I think they should go down for a long time. I mean, I think they should be locked away. I think you destroy someone's life like that. You know, a young, vulnerable girl who's a minor. You, sh- you should be going away for life. Going away for life. Yeah. Should they, should they be? Should they face capital punishment? I don't believe that I'm not a big advocate for capital punishment, but I think that they should go away for life and they they should be encouraged to make some type of amend to society by um, looking at kind of how they can be of service and 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 doing taking contrary action to um, remedy the wrongs that they've done. Hmm. fascinating and, and disturbing all at the same time uh maya the film that again as we talked at the beginning has won this award uh where, where can people uh find the film where will they be able to watch it the film will be coming out at the end of january it'll be in um theaters in certain cities and then we'll be on all the usual platforms we will have details of all the places that you can watch it on our website at artistsforchange.org. Beautiful. And we've linked up artistsforchange.org here in the show notes, guys. If you want to learn more about Julia's company, Julia is the founder and president. Go check it out, artistsforchange.org. We've linked Maya. Uh, you could see more about Maya and all these other films that Julia's uh, doing there at her nonprofit, Artists for Change. Final question for you. Um, Someone's listening and they have found themselves, unfortunately, in the same or similar situation that Maya found herself in. What message do you have for that person? That um, to find an opportunity where you can text for help, you can text to be free. 
There's also a trafficking hotline that you can call. Um, they're off, very often in hotels. They'll have like the number on a bar of soap. Uh, there are also like a lot of signs everywhere. And I would also urge anyone who's listening to, to, you know, if you see something that doesn't look right, report it. Because you 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 literally could be saving someone's life. You could be saving them from years of misery. Mm. And to to keep an eye out for signs of of any youth around you that look like they could be potentially being groomed by a trafficker. And I would say to parents, the most important thing is is to have a conversation with your teenagers about this topic. And to really build trust with them, because if if there's a good trust there, and your 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 teenager is approached in a game room, online, at a park, at a mall, anywhere, you know, by a stranger, and it just doesn't, you know, that they're 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 wondering if this person's okay, that they're more likely to talk to you about it, and then they can be stopped you know that's really the hope with my film is that that when teenagers and and adults working with teenagers see this film it'll stick with them and help them identify if they see a situation where it doesn't quite look right or they see the signs of one of their friends potentially being groomed by a trafficker, because often other teenagers are the, the most likely to know what's going on with someone in their class or somebody kind of on the fringes of their group, that they, they when they have an understanding of how, how serious this can be, they will report it. Mm. And, and it, it just, the stories of what these girls have been through is just so truly horrible. To me, the more that we can do with educating, because to me, education leads to prevention, the better. And it's it's something that I feel very passionate about because when I've I've heard these stories from survivors, it, it they really are just heartbreaking, and it is just horrible. To you know, when I think of my. Um, brothers, kids, his beautiful young girls, of anything happening to those young girls or friends, children. It's just like I don't have kids myself. So I've I've really made it a mission to 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 do what I can to just help create more awareness around this topic. Mm, beautifully stated. If you see something, say something. That was the biggest takeaway I had from your what you just said. We're, we're so often we're like, no, no, we don't want to be the crazy ones. It, it looks weird, but that we're, that's probably just us in our head. It, no, if you it, you know what, err on the side of crazy then. Be the crazy one. Pick up the phone and make a call. If nothing's wrong, okay, no harm, no foul. But if you see something that doesn't feel right, doesn't smell right, sometimes it's not right. So if you see something, say something. Julia, thank you so much and uh, continued success to you and your company. Thank you so much, Nate. Appreciate you having me on your show. And yep, if you see something, say something. Thank you.